In your bulletin, you should find an outline. Let's get ready to talk about Christmas gifts. It's that time of year, right? We're in December now. Thanksgiving is behind us, and so we can start talking about gifts, and especially the gifts that God gave us and some gifts that He wants from us. Uh, if you've been to Costco, I think it was around August they started the Christmas season there, right? But we're starting in December, first Sunday of December. It's appropriate. It's a good thing. Yeah, since the Christmas season began, one word has fallen from our lips probably more than any other. And it's not joy, it's not carol, it's not tree, but it's the word gift. Christmas and gift giving, they just go hand in hand together. They're inseparable. It feels so good to receive an appropriate Christmas gift. Would you not agree with me on that? People that don't give appropriate Christmas gifts, I think, cause Christmas to kind of fall sort of flat. Uh, last week, Jane and I spent some time at Lake Havasu, Arizona. And uh, some of you know that my old flip phone died. I bought a new battery for it, thinking that maybe it can resurrect but it would not take a charge. And while we were at Lake Havasu, I noticed a techie store that said, bring your cell phones in. We can maybe fix, repair, blah, blah, I go, one last hope, Lord, before I break down and get a new phone. And on my way, there's a techie store here. And right next to it is kind of like a little medical clinic. And there was a big banner out in front of the medical clinic that read, Get your flu shots here, only $25. Gift certificates are available. And I thought to Jane, don't you dare get me a gift certificate for Christmas for a flu shot. I don't want it. Nobody wants that, right? If I find that in my stocking, it's going to remain there for all eternity. (laughs) But we're going to talk about some good gifts today. Let's talk, first of all, about, well, I found this good definition of gift giving. Watch this. What is gift giving? It is something voluntarily transferred from one to another without a hint, not even a hint of compensation. I mean, at Christmas time, you don't, I'm not going to be giving my nephews and my son and my grand gifts at Christmas, and after all the presents are open, nobody reaches into the wallet and says, well, how much do I owe you for that gift? We don't expect that, right? The whole point is it's freely given, freely receive it, no compensation required here. You give gifts like that, well, so does God. Let's take a look at two of them, and then we'll look at the verse that backs this up. God's gift to us, really, it starts with His love. For God so loved the world. How much? Second gift that he sent his son. Isn't that what John 3.16 says? Let's look at it together again. Probably the most quoted, you you see it in your head, you can recite it. But let's look at it. Sometimes the most familiar verses need the most attention. And just slow down and say, I know that one. But it's God. It all starts with God. It didn't start with us reaching up to God. It started with God, what? Reaching down to us for God. So loves, loved who? The world, that's you, that's me. That he gave, ooh, that's a good word, isn't it? You are never more like God than when you are what? Giving. That he gave. 
His only begotten Son. So the first gift is His love. The second gift is backed up and reinforced by the gift of His Son that whosoever, that's me. It's an old song, whosoever meaneth me. If you're here today and you're wondering if you're a whosoever and you haven't received this gift, it's talking about you. Whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have what? Everlasting life. Paul puts it like this in 2 Corinthians 9.15. We use this at our Thanksgiving service, but I think it's still appropriate. 2 Corinthians 9.15. Thanks be to who? God. Why? For His indescribable gift. Have you ever received a gift that was beyond description? Well, if you're saved, you have. I mean, how do you describe salvation, eternal life? I remember years ago, our family didn't go to church. My dad had a religious background. My mom had a little religious background. Mom went through a marriage divorce and ended up eventually meeting my what became my father at work and started another family, and there were five of us. And, and I'm thinking like for the first seven, eight, nine years of my life, we didn't go to church unless we went to San Diego to Aunt Mary's church because she made everyone go to church. Like twice a year, right? Christmas and Easter. But Sunday was just another Saturday for me as a little boy. But then we found God. And I remember we started going to church, and my mom and dad are talking about God. I remember sitting in the kitchen. I said, Mom, where did God come from? And my mom just says, well, Bruce, God always was. He just always existed. You, you as a little seven, eight, nine-year-old kid, try to wrap that around your brain. How can something just always be? No, no, no. Where did he start? Always was. And now let's fast forward to for God so loved the world that he sent his son for us, that we have what? Everlasting life, eternal life. Now wrap that around your adult Christian head. You mean, I'm going to live forever and ever and ever. That's an indescribable gift. I get the concept of eternity, don't you? I got the concept, of, but to really wrap my brain around that and say, what am I going to be doing 10,000 years from now? I don't know, but I'm going to be with God. And then a trillion years from now, and then eons and eons and eons, and it never. I will continue to be eternally. That is mind-blowing. That is an indescribable gift that I fully still don't understand completely. Got the concept. But eternity is a valuable, indescribable gift. Now let's turn the tables. Those are God's gifts to us. What will we transfer? If he transferred those from heaven to earth, what are we going to transfer from earth to heaven? What is our gift to God? And I know you're going to build off this verse. I didn't know you were going to use that verse today, but it works out. Let's take a look at Matthew, what he has to say. After they had heard the king, they went, no, 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 no. Let's back up to, did I give you Matthew 2, 9 through 11? Did I give you that one? Let's do that one first, all right? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah, just uh, stop at the place where the child was. Hmm. I used the wrong verse on the PowerPoint. We lived in such a fall and broken world, don't we? <laughs> and your preacher is just a child in need of God's grace. I'm going to read this verse to you. If you want to follow along, open your Bibles to Matthew 2, 9 through 11. Uh, 
after they heard the king. That is the right verse. Oh yeah, it's all coming to me now. I went over this last night, believe me. They went on their way, and, and, and then the star they had seen in the east ahead of them until they stopped over the place where the child was. Now, that is the wrong verse. Let's read the other verse later. Let's stick with this one, all right? We'll get to the other verse. It's in the right spot, case and don't change a thing. After they heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. Let's do another verse. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and they worshipped him. I think it's interesting. Two words in that verse get me. First of all, is house, and the second word is child. Because normally, how do we normally see the nativity scene? Shepherds, animals, angels, and three what? (laughs) Wise men. They were never there. They were never at the manger. But they were at a house. And there was a child there. Very different word for child. It doesn't say baby, does it? A baby was in a manger, but a child was at a house. And the Greek word for child here really means like toddler. Uh, People that study this stuff that are way smarter than me say Jesus was probably about two years old when the wise men found him. And there they saw the mother Mary and they bowed down and they worshipped him. And then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of frankincense and of myrrh, and I want to build off of those three things here in just a moment. You got a kingly gift, you got a priestly gift, and you got a gift representing his death. Let's talk about his kingship first of all. Let's let's look at that gold, that gift of gold that they received. Whenever you went to visit a king in this day of time, and even long before, it was always appropriate and customary to bring a gift when you went into the king's presence. And gold was considered a kingly gift. And how are these wise men perceiving this child as a king? You give gifts of gold to a king. Now, what form did it take? Uh, It may have been in the form of a coin, a golden coin. I don't think it was a bitcoin. I think it was real gold. And it may have been in the form of jewelry. We don't know. If the Bible didn't say, then the Bible didn't say, and we don't know. And when we get to heaven, we'll be asking trivia questions through. I know what I'm going to be doing for the first 10,000 years. All those, clearing up all those questions that I had. Or it may have just been a big chunk of gold. A gold bar. It was a part of the monetary standard of the day. Gold, biblical gold, God's money has always been gold and silver and precious stones. Not that... They didn't whip out paper currency, all right? Uh, No such thing as paper money. There's paper currency, but it's based on faith that it's worth something. Gold has always retained somewhat of a value, and they're presenting him with some money. That's basically what this boils down to. Why did they give a gift of gold? Could Jesus play with gold? No, no. But Mother Mary and earthly father Joseph needed some money to raise God's son, right? 
See, where God guides, He provides. And He guided this Christ child, His Son, to be born by a virgin named Mary and an adopted father named Joseph. And He was a carpenter and didn't make a whole lot of money. And so Joseph and Mary need what? Diapers, and they need Gerber's baby food, and they need a crib and a cradle, and they need a little stroller, and the baby monitors when they're one room and the other. Not exactly that, but you know what I'm talking about. And they got to pay for that stuff. Well, God is providing with gold, money, valuable. May I suggest that we use our monies to purchase a gift for God? How do we do that? Well, we take care of God's kids. Now, here's the verse I was looking for. Matthew 25, 40. The king will reply, I tell you the truth. Whoever, see the start is the same, right? That's why I got confused. The king will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever, whatever you did for one of these, the least of these brothers of mine, you did it for me. What is he talking about? There's going to come a day of reckoning where God's going to divide. He's going to separate sheep from goats. Those on the left, depart from me, I never knew you. Those on the right, enter thou into the joy of the Lord. And when they enter, they say, whoa, this is amazing. This is an indescribable gift. What did we ever do to deserve this? One of the things the king's going to bring up, he says, when you did it to the least of these, you did it for me. Some of you may be wondering, well, what gifts are we going to give this year to the least of these? And who can be more in need than children living in semi-poverty in India, in an area that is predominantly Hindu and where Christians are persecuted? And on top of that, they're outcasts because the children that we're supporting and helping this Christmas and throughout the year have AIDS. But we're sending some gifts. And I've asked Joanne to come and kind of share with the church what we're giving. Joanne, why don't you come on up and share a little bit. Thank you. Isn't that good? And you're going to be hearing more about Buds of Christ in the, in the months and years to come because we're just sold out to this ministry and, and we want to keep it going. Kingly gift, it's gold, money. Number two, we have a gift of frankincense. And um, in this, if you want to equal it with something that we send up to heaven today, uh, it would be our prayers. God receives those as incense, if you will. Frankincense, uh, very costly in Jesus' day. It was taken from a tree. What they would do is they'd peel back the bark, and then they would bleed the tree of its white sap. And once it was collected and caught, it would be dried. And they would often mix frankincense with wax and make candles out of it. And as the candle would melt down, the, the aroma would go up. Uh, in the Old Testament, type, anti-type, typology, if you will. Before the altar, the great Ark of the Covenant, was a veil. And just outside that veil of the Holy of Holies in the holy place was the altar of incense. And on that was burned frankincense. And it went up as a sweet-smelling aroma to God. Well, 
if you look at the New Testament and we read Revelation 5, verse 8, it speaks of golden bowls full of incense, which are, and let the Bible speak here, the prayers of who? The saints! What are you if you're in Christ? A saint! And God receives that gift. How insightful of the wise men to see that Jesus was not only a king, but he was an intercessor, a priest. The high priest was the only one that could go into the Holy of Holies. And when you go before the throne room of God today, there's a high priest that intercedes for you. Hebrews 7 verse 25 says, He ever lives to make intercession for us. No prayer makes it in the throne room of God without an intercessor. 1 Timothy 2 verse 5, Paul will say, For there is one God and one mediator. What's a mediator? A go-between. You know, everything that gets to the Father has to be filtered through the Son. You need a mediator between God and men. The man who? Christ Jesus. How did these wise men get this? How did they understand this? Eh, We won't take the time, but if you read the book of Daniel, there's an interesting verse back there. Remember, Daniel was in charge of all the wise men of his day. Daniel was also a prophet of God. I think Daniel taught these guys about a coming king, and they passed it down from generation to generation to generation. Well, when does God do that? When does Jesus intercede for us as our high priest and intercessor? When we pray. And so may I ask you a question? How has your prayer life been this Christmas season? You know, we start in December, and it should be all year round. But especially at Christmas, I've noticed a lot of times it goes down. You know why? Because the stress level goes up. We just got so much on our plates. You know, yeah, those gifts we got to get. You know, the tree's got to get set up. Decorations, uh, the house's got to get clean. Family's coming. Let's got to get ready to celebrate Christ. And we forget. The number one thing is prayer. Perhaps because we made prayer something that was never meant to be. Prayer was intended to be a rescue, not a rebuke. It was intended to be a relief from pressure, not the cause of pressure. I don't know about you, but as my day gets more stressful, my prayer life goes up. It doesn't go down. I'm saying... God, you know I didn't need my cell phone to go out at this time of the year, and I have to learn all about this thing called a smartphone. There's proof, right? I got one. Don't call me right now. I'm not sure if it's on mute or not. And, and I don't need, you know, this new computer I got that Tony got a long time. And I got some lovely couple that are getting it all prepped for me, and I'm going, oh, it's not one more thing I need on my plate to learn right now, but I need to learn it right now. And I'm saying, Lord, you know my day, you know my week. And um, let's get it all together. Make it work. It's a relief. You know, God, it's a relief to be able to go to you in prayer. Make prayer a priority this Christmas. And so gold, it's a kingly gift. Frankincense, it's a prayer. It's an intercessory gift. And then myrrh, if you allow me a little liberty with the Scripture on this one, I think it applies to God's or Christ's death. Um, his sacrifice for us. Like frankincense, uh, myrrh came from a tree. Again, they would bleed the tree. They would collect this resin-like material. They'd capture it in like a little wooden square. And it'd come out as a a chunk. Very, very expensive. 
and they would scrape the shavings. And uh, when somebody would die, Jewish embalming was more like, um, well, would they take the, the myrrh and mix it with a, something called alos and water, and it would make a salute. They would wrap a fold. They, they'd take like, you remember the, the mummy-like thing? They would take a linen cloth, and between each wrap, they would pour this mixture of myrrh and alos. About a hundred pounds worth. Why so much? Did they do that for everybody? No. But they used a hundred pounds for a king. What was Jesus? King of kings. He was Lord of lords. And when it would dry, it would be almost resin-like. Fiberglass, if you will. There's a cocoon. You remember when Jesus rose from the grave, they saw... The grave clothes still lying in what? The folds. The shell, the cocoon was still there. When Lazarus was raised from the dead, and he comes out, you know, Lazarus come forth, he's all tied up, wrapped up in what? Tangled up in these linen cloths. He didn't have a hundred pounds worth, but the guy had some dough, and they wrapped him with these cloths, and Jesus said, loose him. Why? He's tangled up in the wraps. Well, John 19.39 says, And there came also Nicodemus. Who was Nicodemus? He's that fellow that came to Jesus by night. We read about him in John 3. And he says, Hey, we know that you you come from God because no one can do the miracles you're doing unless God be with him. Tell me more about yourself. Well, he leaves an unbeliever that night, but we know by the time we get to John 19, Nicodemus is a changed man. He's now a believer. And there came also Nicodemus, which at first came to Jesus by night and brought a mixture of myrrh and what? Alos, about a hundred pound weight. Hmm. Wasn't that a coincidence? This has got God wrapped all over it. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, What sacrifice does God want from us? We've just seen His gifts. We've seen His sacrifice. What does He want in return? Uh, What do we take from earth and transfer it to heaven freely without a hint of compensation? I would suggest our bodies as living sacrifices. Romans 12, verse 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living pieces of myrrh, if you will. A living sacrifice, a thing of death, but in this case it continues to live, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service. When you serve God by serving others, that is a living sacrifice. And number two, he wants our hearts. He wants our hearts. Proverbs 23, 26, the scripture says, My son, give me your heart. Can you imagine God using those two words of his creation, looking down and saying, Son, give me? The creator that has all the power, asking us to give him something? Who needs nothing, but he wants something. He wants our hearts. Give me. I heard a story about a father who asked his son one day as Christmas was approaching, Son, what do you want for Christmas? And the boy says, well, I'd like a ball to play with. 
He says, well, what kind of ball would you like? And he says, well, either a football or a soccer ball. And the father says, well, if you got to boil it down to one, which one would it be? And the son says, well, dad, if you're not going to be too busy this year, I'd kind of like to have a football. That's okay. So you and I can go in the backyard and throw the ball back and forth to each other. Wouldn't that be fun, dad? But if you're going to be real busy this year, then just get me a soccer ball because I can play with the kids in the neighborhood. Ooh, father heard that. He, uh, he gave his son a little wink and a smile and said, how about if I surprise you with what gift you're going to get this year? And the boy picked up on the father was reading his heart. And winked and smiled back and says, thank you, Dad. I love you so much. Are you seeing the picture here? Once the father understood his son's heart, his son was not so much interested in the gift, nearly as much as he was interested in what? The giver. He wanted time with his dad. My son, give me your heart. The psalmist will say, Psalm 27, 4, and we'll end with this. One thing I ask of the Lord. This is what I seek. Don't don't you love reading David's Psalms? Uh, I don't have the creativity. I don't have the heart. I don't have the words sometimes to speak to God what I'm feeling on the inside. Do you find yourself stumbling and fumbling for appropriate words when it's just you in your prayer closet saying, God, I want to share with you what I'm feeling on the inside, but I don't have the word. I'll sometimes pick up the Psalms and I'm I'm going to take what David said, apply them to me, God. One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple. David says, God, if I could just do one thing, I want to seek You and spend time with You. And so I leave you with this thought. What do you seek this Christmas? The gift or the giver. Let's pray about it right now. Lord God, we thank you for the gift of Jesus Christ. Oh, so neatly wrapped in swaddling clothes, a a perfect gift coming at just the right time, in just the right way, one of us, and giving us the right result of eternal life. If we want it, if we'll receive it. See, even a gift has to be received. And just as the wise men gave their gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, symbolizing Jesus as King and intercessor and Savior. We too give our gifts of money and prayer and self-sacrifice. And if you're here this morning and you've never given your heart to God, today is your day. My son, my daughter, give me your heart. He's crying out to you right now. And if you believe this Christmas story that we're just beginning today, we'll continue throughout the month. If you believe this is true, then the next step for you is to repent and trust Jesus alone and put Him on in baptism. We can make arrangements for that this very day. And God, if there be anyone here today that needs to do that, may they respond to your invitation, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.